get a seat to have on V8s. They told me they fixed it. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where we see cancer-ridden death cultists have their wishes fulfilled in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 102, which begins with the war rig entering the Rock Riders Canyon, and it ends with Furiosa climbing her way across the front of the rig. Wrapping up the week with us are a couple of podcasters that will have to disavow should this episode fail. It's Jonathan Howell and Chris Ramirez from the Minute Impossible podcast. Hi, thank you guys for having us. Waltz and Matilda, Waltz and Matilda, I looked up the song in the break. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Hello, everybody. Hello. It's everybody's ignorant podcaster. American Jonathan. How's it going? Is that a phone? I hear ringing from the Australian Tourism Council looking for their next spokesman. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> You're about as qualified as Danny McBride. I was going to say, he's, he's just right up there with Danny McBride. <laughs> I'm actually a little disappointed that the Crocodile Dundee revisiting, reimagining, remakes, far-flung sequel turned out to just be a joke. Yeah, I would totally watch I would Thor. totally watch that, yeah. With like, all the oh, outlet people right. that had involved. It was a joke, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Like, it was a Super Bowl commercial joke, and it was pretty good, but, like, I was legit expecting Danny McBride to be like, yeah, I'm totally the son of Crocodile Dundee. And I'm going to go to Australia. If they did a movie where he says he's the son of Crocodile Dundee, and then we find out Leah, uh, Chris Hemsworth is the son of Crocodile Dundee, and he's been using his name for years to make himself famous. It's just the son of Crocodile Dundee doesn't care enough to do anything about it. But then Danny McBride comes to Australia. It would be, oh, look, I just almost wrote the movie for you. There, yeah, take, right take there. the money, Hollywood. Right. It's easy. Take it. Just give us residuals. <laughs> they make enough dumb movies. Yeah. Why not make this dumb movie? Yeah. yeah. A dumb movie we all want. Have Adam Sandler do it. I don't care. <laughs> he could do it for Netflix. You Put know? his entire crew of idiots on it and I'll, I'll watch it. I don't care. I have no shame. I've seen Paul Blart one and two. I don't, I'm stupid. Uh, Grown Ups one and two. I've seen them both. Oh, dear. <laughs> I didn't like them. <laughs> but he saw them. I saw them. I just want to see a movie where they take all three Hemsworths and put them in there with it. Like, you got Chris, you got Luke, and, and Liam. Liam. Liam, yeah. And there's a fourth one, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not famous. He's just a normal person. Yeah. Is there actually a fourth Hemsworth, or you is know, that just a joke that Murray and Jessa pulled on us when they were... Yeah, I really haven't the faintest idea. They made that joke in The Good Place also, that one of the characters was getting married to the fourth unpopular... Uh, unfamous uh, Hemsworth. Like, I distinctly remember us Googling, is there a fourth Hemsworth? And I'm pretty sure the answer was no. Uh, his name is Larry Hemsworth, and he is the joke on The Good Place. Okay. Yep. Larry so Hemsworth. he's just a joke. It's not like he's standing right behind me, ready to club me over the head with a Woolaroo or something like that. There is Luke Hemsworth and Chris Hemsworth and Liam Hemsworth. Yep. And they have a bell curve of attractiveness. Oh, yeah. the You can watch genetics get weaker and weaker as it goes mm -hmm. through. It's kind of like uh, it's like uh, that multiplicity. Wait, yeah. isn't Luke? The, yeah, Luke's the, the oldest. oldest. Luke is the rough draft. Chris is the finished draft. 
and Liam is the special edition. Liam is well. I mean, Liam. I mean, Liam's nothing to scoff at. He's a good-looking gentleman too. Yeah, but he's no Chris. No, he's no. Chris. No. When it comes to acting, no. <laughs> Wasn't he in one of those like post post apocalyptic social? He was in a ID four resurgence. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he was in the Hunger Games. That's what it oh, was. Yeah, that thing. It's yeah. hard to get him confused. Uh, he, he's so much like that Eastwood kid that you. He's oh, so yeah. bland. He's like the Ameri- He's like the Australian version of. I'm gonna call Scott him Eastwood. Okay, you know, I was gonna call him Mud Eastwood. So, but yeah. I like that you Scott gave Eastwood. him an actual name. Hmm? That's Scott his real name. Eastwood? Scott Eastwood real is his name. real name. Okay. He was, in, he was in Fast and the Furious Eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was. So, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's I really oh, he's handsome. He, he is very handsome. He's in uh, Pacific Rim Two, which he looked, no he one do, saw. He does look like his dad, young. Oh yeah, he's kind of very scary. good looking, but he yeah. can't act. But he can't act anything. Yeah, come at me, Clint. Yeah, he he needs to go out to to to, to Italy and make some spaghetti westerns or something. He really does. He needs to yeah. go and uh, yeah, do a, a walkabout. Hey. Look, I brought us back to the movie. Oh, there we go. go. Okay, can I take us away from the movie real quick? Sure. sure we were just there yeah. for just one second. It's fine. I googled Scott Eastwood just to get a visual. <laughs> and okay. I'm just reading, like, his basic stuff. So, he was born in 1986 mm-hmm. at the Bariatric Surgery Center at Community Hospital in Monterey, California. Okay. Isn't that weird to be born at a bariatric surgery center? Okay, first of all, what's a bariatric? He's a clone. Bariatric is overweight. Oh, like morbidly obese. Maybe he's a fat baby. <laughs> Just saying, I've never seen anybody born at a bariatric surgery center. Before. I wonder if maybe they were on their way somewhere and they didn't make it, and that oh, was they like were the closest on the hospital. Sort of was on location for like pink Cadillac or something. <laughs> Maybe he needed an incubator and they didn't have any incubators. And so they just took one of the bariatric patients and just like put the baby in one of the folds and it kept him warm. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> it was baby people eater. <laughs> Getting into the minute proper, we find that the war party has entered the canyon and everybody in the war rig is very concerned that things are narrowing down and the gigahorse is still in front of the war rig and joe is doing his darndest to try and keep his position but furiosa is able to get out alongside him and just sideswipe him we're doing a big old days of thunder type of thing knocking back and forth mm. rubbing's racing cold trickle wait what rubbing is racing I said rubbing is racing. That oh, is a okay. direct yeah. quote from the glorious movie that is Days of Thunder. Cole Trickle is his name. Cole Trickle. Cole Trickle is a person, not a thing. Yeah. Rubbing and racing is a thing, not a person. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a guy named Rubbin, that'd be hilarious in Days of Thunder. Hey, I'm Rubbin. Rubbin Scuggs. That sounds like a name that would have been in Days <laughs> yeah, of Thunder. it does. <laughs> you could take someone named Robin and yeah, just I was pronounce say, it wrong. Robin with an accent. Rubbin. Rubbin. Robin. So, uh, minute 102. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we said, these vehicles are rubbing up against each other, and Immortan Joe is not happy with this. And so he pulls a knob and he shifts a lever, and that gives the Giga Horse enough of an oomph to get out in front of the war rig once again. That's Nas, right? Is he I using think Nas? So. I think the little I pull knob so, yeah. is Nas, and then he shifts into a higher gear so that way he can go up. And. He doesn't stay ahead of the war rig for too long before he slams on the brakes and he slides back. Or I guess he doesn't so much slide back as much as the war rig slams into the back. Like, it, there's a collision. He brake checks. He does that thing when you're getting 
tailgated on the highway if you want to give the person behind you a heart attack you tap yeah. on your brakes yep try and get them to back off a little bit yeah but she lands right on them oh yeah and the resulting noise from that collision and i love how everybody in the war rig does their little like star trek next generation jostle They're like, huh. to show that they hit something but there's this sound that comes out of the engines and nux is like oh did you hear that and i'm like yeah that's the sound effect from the millennium falcons hyperdrive not working it is it is exactly <laughs> that i was gonna say mm-hmm. something just like that i'm like oh i didn't know there was a hyperdrive was malfunctioning they said they fixed it <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that's what I was expecting. I was like, oh, come on, guys. Is, I guess that's what just what an engine sounds like when it whirs down. Yeah. You know that Ben Burt, he probably used a truck, like a hot rods engine malfunctioning when he made that sound. It's like a it's like a real high pitched sound. You can't mimic it. It's just like a. They, they used it in, in, in Star Trek 3. I just watched Star Trek 3 yesterday and they were using it in that too. They always use it for any time an engine in space yeah. doesn't work. Like we could hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's the secret. All these big old spaceships, they just use V8s. V8s, V8 engines, exactly. How many cars are stacked on top of each other? When I'm looking at the bumper of the Giga Horse, I feel like it's three. I feel like there are three separate cars. There may only be two trunks. I don't know. I'm. I'm. This was happening earlier with the the limo too. <laughs> it's. It's. It, it, I don't understand the what how why how they're building these things so high or why, but I enjoy it. I think this feels like three cars high. It's like a three so car sandwich. You've got the engine and the wheels in the lower frame. That's one car, and then you've got the first Cadillac where the driver and the passenger sit. And then you've got a second Cadillac stacked on top of it for a nice two-tiered Cadillac effect. Mm, and it's got like yeah. an open, like the back of it's like a pickup truck yeah. of the yeah. second so Cadillac. Yeah, they so they can, they can control the flamethrower and the, and the whatever it is, the, the harpoon gun they have at the top. Like yes. a little Al Camino type of thing. Yeah. So essentially it's three cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is three cars. And it's it's also interesting. This is the first time I noticed. I mean, I know we've seen this shot more than once that I noticed that the floor of the war rig and I assume other trucks is wicker. It's like a rattan, like wicker basket type thing. And that makes total sense. I mean, regular cars in regular conditions, their bottom rusts out. Yeah. And I'd never noticed it before in this movie. So thank you for this minute by minute breakdown. It's allowed me to. I now think of now I know why these cars go up so fast. Half of them is rattan. Yeah. It's just, yeah. just really dry wood woven together. I love the texture that it gives the inside of the vehicles. Like obviously we saw the people eaters limo, the inside of it yesterday before it was consumed like in shag flyer, carpet. And, and that was the shag carpet. And <laughs> this is a lot more conservative. When I see the people eaters limo, I think they like the people eaters uh, house, like their, their, their facility used to also be a hotel. His entire insides of his limo looked like the insides of a cheap hotel. <laughs> like all the weird little things on the windows and the furry, you know, shag and every, all the, all the fabrics yeah. felt like it felt like a shining level, you know, hotel. <laughs> I also just realized that the, the gas pedal, on the war rig is a shoe, uh, a foot uh, measurer. Yeah. 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 I just yeah, so cool. Back when we first saw that, I did some research and I found that that was called something and I've completely forgotten <laughs> over 
how many episodes we've covered since I, that moment. Yeah, I wouldn't even know like what episode to go look at your notes for. Yeah. It was so long ago. But yeah, it has a name. This is what happens when our first two seasons were like 90 some odd episodes. Mm-hmm. Sure, we're only at minute 102 and we're comfortable up to 107 at this point. <laughs> but is I it, still is it called remember. the Brannock device? I think so. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Because even even when I'm looking at uh, Amazon, they call it the foot measure. I'm like, that's not the name of what it is. <laughs> that's and what I call underneath it. it, it has the thing. It's called the genuine Brannock device. Because the Brannock family owned the manufacturing for this, and then they sold it to an Italian company or something like that. Oh, sweet tomato. They yeah, designed it in 1927. For those of you that forgot about that episode, too, that's when it was. <laughs> I love how there is a latch that she can just lock the pedal yeah. downward. And this isn't the first time she's used that feature. Nope. Don't certain trucks have that, like some sort of bracing thing for long hauls? Like where your foot's on the gas the whole time? There's like a... a, a more little... of a mechanical cruise control. Yeah, where you're basically locking in, going. Yeah. 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 I know that some motorcycles can have something like that. It's a little screw... Like, you turn the throttle to the speed you want, and then you can tighten the screw down, and it'll hold the throttle at that thing. I think uh, they call it a suicide screw, because there's no quick way to let it off unless you're pulling in the clutch and just disengaging the gears there. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were big rigs out there that had this sort of thing where you can just hook it underneath there. I'm sure not anymore. I'm sure a digital and or electrical it's much easier to have it on your, you know, up on your on wheel, your you know, like a real cruise yeah. control. Yeah. But what yeah. I love about this hook is that I don't think that it's always hooking the thing. I think you have to kick out the toe in order to hook it onto the latch. Which is perfect because the Brannock device slides. Yeah. That's how mm -hmm. it works. So you push it down, you slide it forward a little bit, and it hooks on the little thingy-majigger. Yeah, and then when you're done, you press on it with your toe and drag that thing back and it'll pop right back up. This would, this would be my tech of the app. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So Furiosa very easily hands over the wheel to Nux. Why is she just now doing it? Why didn't she give him the wheel as soon as he got back in the cab? I don't know. I think she wanted to hit a Morton and Joe at least once. I, I don't know. I agree with Jonathan. I think she wanted to try and sideswipe Joe, maybe run him into some rocks. She wanted to... <laughs> exhaust her driving ability before she did something as crazy right. as climbing out the side of the Cause, war. Rig. Yeah, because what she says, she's basically saying goodbye in this scene. Yes, she is. I don't think she expects to come back from what she's going to do. She's saying, I'll get them out of the way. Just don't worry. It's like those scenes from uh, what, those uh, all those movies where the, the, young, the young army guy goes off to do something and you're like, well, he's going to die. Like, and he knows it. And it's like, if I don't do it, everyone dies. So, yeah, she's she's saying goodbye. Yeah. Very unsentimentally. No, I felt like she was saying goodbye earlier when Max looked at her, like we were talking about in the last episode on Wednesday. Oh, okay. I think she was saying goodbye to Max with her look. She's like, he got me. Like, I'm dead. And Max is like, Jesus, I got to get back over there. It was kind of part of the motivation of saying goodbye. And now she's like, like I'm going to swipe it one more time. All right, Knox, take over. Or cheeks. I like calling them cheeks. Cheeks, take over. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out because it can't, it can't feel good to have a punctured lung to be getting out of a moving no. in any, any form. No, and she sounds no. awful. Yeah, yeah, she sounds great, terrible. If I didn't know that she had been stabbed in the side, 
and probably had an actively collapsing lung, I would swear that she sounds like she's about to throw up. <laughs> like, I'm well, going to need you to drive. Well, Nox, take the wheel. Oh, well. Yeah, where's the bucket? Oh, no. No time for a bucket. Got to lead out the side. No, you don't okay. like his noises? Julia is no, not a no. fan of people that are on the cusp of hurling chunks. No, no. Nobody is. She's in a metaphor. Nobody is. You're in a metaphor. Is it Jimmy Fallon that does a bit where he's constantly almost throwing up? I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Jimmy Fallon. I'll see if I can find a clip. If it's not Jimmy Fallon, I'll figure out who it is. Oh, okay. Who's, you know, going, oh, mm, and trying to, like, oh, have a conversation and constantly almost throwing up. <laughs> and it's so gross. It's so gross. But yeah, Furiosa is basically saying, Nux, take the wheel, because I can't make it on my own, because I got to get these guys out from in front of us. And she doesn't share anything more than, I'll get him out of our way. So she's got this plan in her head. I wonder what her plan is. I mean, we'll see a plan, but I don't know yeah. if that was her plan. I think her plan is pretty much how we're going to see it executed. The whole climb along the front, climb onto the back of the giga horse, open the door, and then dot, 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 step four, profit. And that, and what I was saying before about her saying goodbye, she says goodbye, and then the uh, behind them is the doof wagon, and on it, we finally see Max finally stands up, and he's kind of like, oh, she really is, she's going for it, this is it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Second 58, he's got this look on his face like, what is she doing? She did not look good, why is she climbing? And he's probably like, well, now I really have to get up to that rig. Yeah, time is of the essence. It's funny that they would allow the doof wagon to be the next car. To be so close? Uh, yeah, well, it's a, it's not a, a fighting vehicle. There are no fighters on it. If there were fighters on it, they'd have already swarmed the rig. Yeah. If that thing was laden with war boys, they would have jumped off already onto the war rig. But now, the if you notice, the war boys have a good buffer between them and the war rig. I think the reason that the doof wagon is still right behind the tanker is from that boxing-in maneuver. Like, the doof wagon is... I'd say the next biggest vehicle, you had the People Eaters limo, which was just big and long. You had the War Party car carrier machine that was also big and long. That was on the other side of the war rig that we didn't really get a good look at. And then the Doof Wagon was kind of closing in that box from behind. And it didn't deviate from that position as we were going through the canyon. And I would imagine that a lot of these War Party cars behind the doof wagon would very much like to get a chance to attack the war rig. They just can't get around this gigantic doof wagon because now they're in the canyon and it's a uh, one lane road. It's very disconcerting to have that noise behind you. Yeah. Like getting louder and louder and louder. It's got to be like, oh my God, I'm just, you know, it, I, I get stressed out when my children are talking behind me when I'm doing something on the computer. <laughs> I can't even imagine driving and knowing I'm about to die. And having that dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. Yeah. There may be some strategy to it. If you can't hear, then you can't strategize and communicate with the people who can help you. She can no longer yell over to Max and say, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Will you meet me here and help me out? It makes it harder to communicate even with the people in the cab with you. Plus, have you ever been stuck in traffic with someone right behind you and their stereo is blasting? <laughs> like, it's incredibly unnerving it's like yeah. the thing when you 
are following directions and like you're getting close to your destination, yes. you turn your radio down. <laughs> I need to turn down the radio so I can see the street signs better. Exactly. The sounds are making my spot, my vision. Oh, I do the same thing because I listen to, I'm one of those people that actually listens to uh, headphones, not headphones, but uh, I have my wireless Bluetooth in my ears when I drive because my family doesn't listen. I, I don't listen to music. I listen to podcasts. Hello. <laughs> Uh, and so I, and I, but I also have my directions on my phone are going off in my head. So I'm the only one hearing my directions. But when I get closer to where I'm going, I take them out of my ears and I like start looking around, <laughs> even though they are talking to me and telling me where to go. But I'm one of those people that actually listens to uh, podcasts while I drive. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, but I'm always alone. Not 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 through the speakers though. I don't listen through the. Air. I don't share my car with you know children, so <laughs> I just listen like a normal person. I actually like it better. I mean, don't do this at home, but my headphones don't. They're not noise canceling or anything. They just go in my ear, but they're you know I can hear the road and cars around me, and it's just I can hear their voices better. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely some podcasts where the voices just aren't as clear as they could be. Mm. So if you don't have. Headphones Why are you in? holding it's a sign up that says the Mogwai in it? That's not very nice, Rick. Why are you throwing shade? Why are you showing, throwing shade? That's weird. I found the video. Oh, okay. Of the fake vomit off. It's not Jimmy Fallon. It's Stephen Colbert. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. J- uh, Stephen Colbert has a... Uh, yeah. So I'll uh, post the one with him and Emily Blunt. Okay. Nice. Sounds good. Emily Blunt, another person that would have been great as Furiosa. Not that, not that we never needed to recast Furiosa. She's perfect. I agree. I think she could have evoked the same toughness and badassery, but I think there is a maturity to Charlize Theron's physique. She is a grown woman. Yep. And there is no disputing that. Yeah. Emily Blunt, I don't know. Well, she's a little short, isn't she? Yeah, she's thinner and wafier than Charlize Theron, and I think Furiosa is well served by Charlize Theron's body type. I agree. Acting-wise, she could have done it no problem. I mean, yeah. she's a great actress. Yeah, but I think I think that we needed someone who seemed to have some miles on her, and it needed to not be a suit or something that was creating that. Charlize Theron is a very beautiful middle-aged woman. Uh, mid, not middle-aged, but for, fi, closer to 50s-ish than she is. And we need that in movies for, for people... I don't like it when every person in the movie is 25. It's like, okay. All right. Charlie Theron the, is only 43. What? Charlie Theron is only 43. Oh, 43. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> She's younger than us. That's still middle age. I'm 45 is considered middle age. That's. Yeah. It's halfway through your life, generally speaking. Usually. Oh, she's like 50-something. It's like, no, 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 no. She's, she's like 56. She's like 50. She looks great. She looks great. <laughs> She's going to keep going up at age the rest of this episode. <laughs> She's still going to look great. She looks great. All right. Where are we? We're pretty much at the end of the minute. Yeah. Nux has climbed into the driver's seat. He has picked the shiv up off the floor and replaced it into the shifting pole. So that way it's easier for him to drive the war rig. And Charlize Theron has rolled her old bones out of that car and <laughs> climbed up on the top. Yep. She is using the hydraulic arms that control the cow catcher she's using that as a little step stool to climb up onto the hood or the bonnet whichever you will i like bonnet that's fun if we're at the end of the minute can i take us back in time to, to the beginning of the minute oh yeah we can go wherever you want babe. okay 
So way back in, let me find the second. Okay, second two. <laughs> way back in the beginning, second two. We're in the cab and we see that Cheeto and the Dag, which make a great morning radio team. Cheeto and the Dag. Drive, 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 drive time. Are holding hands. Are they resting on Nux's shoulder? I'm pretty that sure that's knee? Cheeto's knee. Okay, never mind. Cancel everything I just oh, said. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's like a weird thing going on. I was like... I thought it was his shoulder, and I'm like, oh, okay. they've bonded with him, too. I think you're right to believe that, because for the longest time, I thought it was his shoulder, too. And then I looked at it just now, and it's, it's her knee, yeah. It, it's, yeah it's a weird knee. shot. Her knee looks like the sh- his shoulder. Yeah, it's yes. it's not painted white enough. Right, no. they have different skin tones. Hers yeah. is more healthy, and his is more sickly. I see why you thought that, though. That, look, that does look... I always thought they were holding hands on his hand. Uh, yeah, I thought that their hands were on his shoulder, meaning that they had bonded with him as well. Yeah. Which would have been a really nice thing. Right, like almost like he was becoming like the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the adopted brother into the sisterhood. Because Cheeto has always held on to the dag. And now here at the end of the movie, it's the dag who's holding on to Cheeto. I can't remember in what minute it was, but it was this week, and I can't remember what the circumstance was, but we could see Dag, I think it was when we were looking at Nux, and Dag was right behind him, looking very, very scared, and very fragile, and very curled up inside of herself. Yeah. So I don't think she's handling this chase well, which which is surprising because she has been such a spitfire. Up till now. But hey, everybody has their breaking point. Everybody has their stressors that they can no longer handle. Yeah, that's all I have. All right. It's a nice shot of a Morton Joe's uh, face mask. Have you guys ever talked about his teeth? Like if they're real teeth or if they're... Oh, those those horse teeth? They're real horse teeth. (sighs) Is that why it's called the Giga Horse? Is is he a horse thing? Is that like his thing? Well, it is now, yeah. It is now, yeah. (laughs) Right. We had never vocalized that connection before. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm just. It seems. Uh, it just seems like a lot of horse-based stuff, but that's cool. While yeah. we're talking about Joe and his mask and his horse teeth, right around second thirteen, the war rig comes up alongside the gay horse, and we get a shot in this minute that's very similar to a shot we saw earlier when the Citadel forces were fresh out on the road. Nux and Slit in the Nux car went up alongside the Giga Horse and they were shouting mm-hmm. for Joe's attention. And Joe turned his head to peek out the corner of his eye in a very similar way to here. That first time, Nux was like, oh, he looked at me, Senpai noticed me, huzzah, type of thing. Here, it's very different where you've got a shot of Nux looking across the way at Joe and then Joe does that turn to look. But we don't see Nux freak out about it. Instead, we see Furiosa turn the wheel hard to the right in order to smash him. Yeah, I think he's come a long way literally in two days. Yeah. His character development is uh, pretty quick. It's the power of love. They should write a song about that. (laughs) I would argue it's the power of boners. It's the power of boners. They should write a song about that, too. Both by Huey Lewis. I like it. But that pretty much brings us to the end. We are wrapping this week with Furiosa ready to assault the Giga Horse. But before we start talking about anything for week 35, Jonathan and Chris, where should people go to find more of your stuff? Chris, where should they go? I don't know. Where do we go? I I just record these things, man. (laughs) Go to MinuteImpossible.com. 
That's got all of our stuff on it, Chris. You can find out about our, our podcast. Really? Yeah. I know there's a Facebook thing that I play with every once in a while. There is a Facebook thing. That thing is our group, the Impossible Minute Force. And that's where Julia and Rick are members. And we talk about everything about our uh, the movies, Mission Impossible, Spies, uh, Fast and the Furious, uh, lots of stuff. Nubbins. <laughs> Nubbins, nubbins, lots of nubbin talk. Lots of nubbin uh, talk. How old Charlize Theron is. She's so old, guys. She's so How old. she's going to put a hit out on Jonathan now. <laughs> <laughs> she's so old. But yeah, come come talk to us there. And we're also at, um, we have a Patreon where we're talking about right now, uh, the John Woo film Face Off. So go, you can subscribe to our Patreon if you go and listen to our podcast and enjoy listening to hear us. Enjoy listening to hear us. I'm a professional Enjoy podcaster. listening to hear us, yes. If you enjoy listening to hear us, come listen and hear us at our uh, podcast on minuteimpossible.com. It's terrible. I, uh, I've said this so many times that it's just turned into gibberish in my mind. It's just like, minuteimpossible.com, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> do you like spy movies? Come listen to us. We, t- we do a bunch of voices. It's super fun. We have a great time. We talk about tech. Come listen. Yeah. There's at least one tech of every app. Yep. And, and this one's set in Australia, too, so even better. It is right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even the scenes in Spain were in Australia, so come. Exactly. As for us, we will be coming back on Monday. Max causes trouble for the Doof Warrior. Furiosa knocks on Joe's back door. And Cheeto, gasp, appears to surrender. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 102 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time. <laughs>